Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And welcome to hour number three. Counting you down to LSU and their home open tonight against the University of Tennessee Chattanooga. Mox. That's coming up tonight, a 6.39 kickoff here on WWL. He is Herb Tyler. I'm Deke Bellavia. Coming up this hour, we have a, a lot to get to. We will be visiting with Brian Lazar, senior writer at TigerBait.com, to give us his take following the Tigers all week long, preparing for the mocks tonight in Death Valley. And Gene Henley, he covers the University of Tennessee Chattanooga for the Times Free Press. He will be with us, and then we'll wrap things up at the top of next hour with a recruiting update, what recruits will be on campus this evening with Mike Scarborough of TigerBait.com. you have a question for Herb, you can call us at 504-260-1870, or you can text us at 870-870. Now let's take a look at afternoon scores with a first uh, 3 o'clock hour college football scoreboard. Right now it is number 8 Michigan, just gone final over number 14 Cincinnati by a score of 36-14. to 14. It was number 9 Wisconsin defeating Florida Atlantic this afternoon by a score of 31-14. to 14. Jonathan Taylor, 26 carries, 223 yards, and three touchdowns. Louisville, big day from Lamar Jackson. 393 passing and three scores as the Cardinals go into Chapel Hill and beat the Tar Heels of North Carolina 47-35. Kansas State takes care of Charlotte 55-7. Games that were postponed today, Louisiana Monroe and Florida State, Miami and Arkansas State, South Florida and Connecticut, and Northern Colorado and Florida. Right now in the first quarter, late in the first quarter, it is Alabama 14 and Fresno State 3. A number four, Penn State leads Pittsburgh 7-0. Number 18, Virginia Tech 7-0 over Delaware. TCU, number 23, TCU in Arkansas, knocked up at 7 apiece. Five minutes and some change left in the first quarter. Early in the first, number 25, Tennessee 7, Indiana State Zero. Later tonight, it is number 13, Auburn, at number 3, Clemson. Number 5, Oklahoma, is at number 2, Ohio State. Chattanooga is at number 12, LSU tonight. Georgia visits Notre Dame. Montana is at Washington. And a big one out west in the Pac-12, number 14, Stanford, taking on USC. And Washington State entertains Boise State. Last night, it was Oklahoma State in Mobile defeating South Alabama 44-7. Mason Rudolph, three touchdowns on 350-plus yards throwing take a look at some uh, sec scores for you uh this afternoon as uh some interesting one in the east is going to have missouri and south carolina but uh those games in progress right now other conference games have vanderbilt leading alabama a&m seven to zero in the first it was kentucky defeating eastern kentucky 27 to 16 the old miss over the ut martin by a score of 45 to 23. And later tonight, South Carolina is at Missouri. That's 6 o'clock kickoff. Nickel State is at Texas A&M. And, of course, our matchup, uh, another matchup that we haven't talked about, Mississippi State is at Louisiana Tech. That's a look at your afternoon scoreboard here on <coughs> WWL. We take a timeout. We'll come back. And senior writer at TigerBait.com, Brian Lazar, will be with us to give us his take on how the Tigers looked at practice today and who's expected back that did not play in week one. Number 12, LSU and Chattanooga tonight here on WWL. And welcome back. Along with Herb Tyler, I'm Deke Bellavia. Counting you down to LSU and 
University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. Joining us now is senior writer at TigerBait.com at BLDOR at B-L-D-O-R-E-R on Twitter. Brian Lazar joined us now. Brian, uh, a lot of Tigers uh, did not play last week in week one and, uh, of course, found that out later. Uh, the ones that did not play last week, Brian, because of various reasons, which ones are you expecting back tonight in the fold for LSU? Well, I think, I think most of them will be back tonight. Uh, it'd be probably easier to say the ones that I don't expect back. Uh, and I think the biggest one is defensive end Frank Heron. I, I don't expect him to see him out there again tonight. I see another week at least for, if not more, suspension for him. But when you look at the, uh, you know, the other guys who figured on playing, uh, you know, Donnie Alexander, Kevin Tolliver in particular, those were two starters. You know, I would expect them to uh, to be back. So, uh, most of the players who were suspended last week uh, will be back. And, and again, I think the one player who will be missing that you would say would would be a regular player is Frank Heron. Brian, now from week one to week two is where you see the most improvement. There were a few things you can kind of look at. We talked about throughout the week. Obviously, a high number of penalties. They had seven at the break. They finished with ten for eighty-six. Uh, red zone, three of six there. The long drive, obviously, one that hurts on the fourth and goal. You don't get in. Uh, some things you you thought, and some of the things that the players and coaches talked about this week, they saw back on the tape that they're looking to improve on from week one to week two tonight. Well, I think you you pointed out two of the three. I think the third one was the special teams. You know, I think they could have gotten a little bit more the kickoffs, especially since Ed Ogeron had been saying that he wants his kickoff to go into the end zone, and only one of Connor, Kel- Connor Culp's six kicks went for a touchback. And, and Ed said on uh, Tuesday that uh, the, the competition for kickoff is open again this week, so it'll be interesting to see who gets the, gets the job tonight. But, uh, you know, cut down on the penalties. And, you know, I really don't think that the red zone issues were that bad. I mean, I know they, they didn't score touchdowns all the time. But uh, I think special teams and cutting down on penalties is the two big things tonight. Hey, Brian Herb here. Um, you know, you spoke on the guys that missed the game last week. Who do you think will have the biggest impact out of those guys who actually did not play last week? And also, do you think we'll get to see Dante Jackson return a punt or a kickoff this week? Uh, well, it's pretty interesting. That's a good question. You know, I would say that Kevin Tolliver is probably LSU's best cover corner. I really think he's leaving a little bit better than Dante Jackson. So I think him not being there, uh, you know, he's somebody that's going to really be valuable. Though I think Greedy Williams did a pretty good job in his replacement. Uh, you know, Donnie Alexander, uh, you know, solid player. But, you know, I think Devin White's the better inside linebacker at that position. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Frank Heron, him being out, that just hurts their depth at on the defensive line at defensive end. So I think that that's going to, you know, that's certainly uh, a, a, a big loss. But, you know, from a personnel standpoint, I think Kevin Tolliver is the best player who was suspended last week. Dante Jackson returning kick. <clears throat> Ed said there's no doubt he's the fastest guy and can make the biggest play. But the first thing you can do before you can make the big play is catch the football. And obviously uh, the coaching staff is still a little bit concerned about uh, Jackson hauling in the punts before he can take off with him. 
senior writer at TigerBait.com, Brian Lazar, is our special guest. Brian, uh, obviously one thing going into the season, a question mark, and it, it's going to be until you get a few big wins under your belt, uh, conference wins and conference wins on the road, is the offensive line. Uh, with that said, your thoughts on how they performed in week one, and uh, we, know we talked about the, the few players that had experience going into it, and it really wasn't that much. And then what Garrett Brumfield did, he was recognized by the SEC. Your take on what the O-line did in week one. I thought they did fine, you know, considering, you know, the injuries that you had. And, and, you know, realize this, you had Will Clapp playing a new position. He's at center for the first time. You know, everybody considers Toby Weathersby as a veteran, but he'd only started four games at right tackle before last week. So it wasn't like he's somebody that has been out there a lot. You know, K.J. Malone really was the one guy who was back, uh, you know, at his same position. And then you had two guys who had never started before in Sadiq Charles and, and Garrett Brumfield. Like you said, Garrett was the SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. So, no, I thought they were – they did a, a good job against a good front. And now we'll just see if they can maintain it. I think three of the five starters had a penalty, so that's certainly something which you don't want to see. But, uh, you know, we'll just have to – it's going to be a mismatch tonight. So, we're not going to know a little – look, I really don't think you're going to know a whole lot about the offensive line until they hit, the, hit October. Brian, when you when you talk about this, Herbert mentioned this earlier. Let's just say that some, Chattanooga does some things tonight differently than what BYU did. We were kind of expecting or suspecting that BYU may have crowded the line a little more than they did, but they really didn't. I mean, there was a few times they shaded – you know, more than six, and like they were going to jam a box, but they kind of played pretty much off, uh, like almost like, uh, okay, look, we're just going to play it and see what we, we, what we can do. And, of course, LSU 58, 57 rushes versus 18 passes. But let's flip it and let's say that tonight Chattanooga crowds the box. Would that lead to Coach Canada maybe uh, doing something more in the passing game, or do you expect it to – be like, hey, if we don't have to show it, we don't have to show it. I guess my question is, would Chattanooga put them in a position where they may have to show a little something different? Yeah, I mean, I think if Chattanooga's going to say, we're going to totally take the runaway, you know, then I think LSU's going to throw the football. Look, look, what BYU said was, we're going to take the long runaway. We're not going to let Darius Geis break a 60-yard touchdown run. And it worked. You know, Geis didn't have any long runs during the game. The longest run for an LSU back was Darrell Williams at 16 yards. So it worked. Uh, now, few teams do that. You know, most teams, when they play LSU, say, we don't want to get beat by the run, period. So we're going to play everybody in the box and make them throw. So if Chattanooga, it'll be interesting to see if Chattanooga uses that approach or if they say, well, look, let's, let's do what uh, BYU did at least uh, – they didn't give up those long touchdown runs and make them have to, you know, put together long drives to score touchdowns. Senior writer at TigerBay.com, Brian Lazar is our special guest. Brian, uh, you look at the high number of freshmen that LSU played last week, the ones they started. Uh, how does that bow well in your eyes moving forward in recruiting? And uh, these guys, how, how did they grade out? Coaches talked about it. We know what Coach O said on Monday and then, of course, uh, what he said on his coaches' show. But uh, some of those freshmen of those ones that played, uh, do, do you think that we're looking at something to whereas, hey, uh, you're looking at building depth moving forward? Or, or these guys, when it comes down to it, you're going to see these guys. This isn't just BYU and UT Chattanooga. You're going to see them state, Auburn, Alabama, and so forth. That's a, a lot of players, 15 of them youngsters. Well, I think you, you – 
don't look at the number 17. Look at who was in the game in the first half when the game was still competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, offensively, there were just two. It was the two guys at, at right guard. There was no other true freshman on the field offensively in the first half when the game was competitive. Uh, defensively, uh, you know, there was no defensive lineman on the field in the first half. Uh, now, Caleb on Chaston started an outside linebacker because Arden Key's not there, but I think even when Key gets back, you're going to see Chaston a lot uh, in, in pass rushing situations. Uh, I think you're still going to see Tyler Taylor a lot, even though Donnie Alexander's back and possibly you could see Jacob Phillips a lot as a backup inside linebacker. And then in the secondary, you know, certainly you're going to see Grant Elford a lot at safety, and you're going to see uh, uh, Kerry Vincent as the nickelback. Now, really, I think you could cut it off right there. You know, when you look at guys that were playing when the game was undecided in the first half. So what did I name? I named two offensive linemen. I named uh, three linebackers and two guys in the secondary. So that's really seven of the 17 who were involved in plays from scrimmage in the first half when the outcome was was up in the air, which is still a lot more than what LSU has used in, in recent years. Brian Lazar. Brian, LSU, big favorite tonight. What, what are you expecting LSU to come out, the objective in this contest, and how you see this one unfolding tonight? Well, execute well. Uh, cut down on penalties, uh, convert in the red zone, and, and most importantly, not get anybody hurt. So uh, I think LSU has no trouble tonight. Look, Chattanooga is a good FCS program, but they're playing without its, its returning all-conference quarterback who's suspended for the first game, four games of the year. So I think LSU has no problems. This is over by halftime. I'm going to call it LSU 45, Chattanooga 9. That is senior writer at TigerBay.com. Brian Lazar, follow Brian on Twitter at BLDore, at B-L-D-O-R-E. Brian, thank you very much for the time. Okay, talk to you guys later. All right. And, boy, Herb, when you talk about LSU last week, going back to some of the things that pointed out, uh, Michael Barnett and the LSU Sports Department mm-hmm. and every sports department put together the notes every week for their school. And, then of course, uh, they also give you the notes from the opposing school, and then we get the SEC numbers. And usually on the front page you'll see basic stuff like the schedule, some high points, and there's always a few numbers at the bottom, and those numbers will tell us stories. They'll be in bold. And one of them is the number two, and I highlighted here because I found it very interesting, and I'm sure a lot of people do. But last week, Herb, uh, there's only been two times in school history that seven players for LSU have caught a pass or and run run in the same football game. Mm-hmm. There were that happened last week, Herb. The last time it happened was 1977 against Mississippi State. Again, showing you uh, another phase of what Coach Canada is going to do. Gonna be a lot of hands gonna touch that touch the ball throughout the course of a game. That's why I say I loved what the, the game plan was last week. You know, um, I mean, if you can distribute the ball like he did to people who can actually actually make plays and gain yards and you know turn second downs into first downs and third downs into first downs and you keep the chains moving, you get to score some points. Uh, you start building that confidence and you start building a, a camaraderie around the, within the team that says, you know what. It's a it's a everybody game plan, right? Everybody's involved in it. So I'm not just sitting around at practice, you know, twiddling my thumbs and thinking, hey, why am I not getting the ball? Well, guess what? You're going to get get the ball either this play or two plays from now or ten plays from now. But you'll at least get an opportunity to get the ball in the game and to show what you can do. And that's the only reason why we're doing it. You know, we're not going out there to sit on the bench or watch 
X or Y play and do whatever they do. We're there so we can make a, an impact and be a part of the team too so that we can feel like we've done something special in a, in a contribution to a win or whatever it may be. Herb, uh, now offense, a quarterback, take us through that first week of the season or, or any week. What is it like in that film room on the college level? Well, of course, we get it a lot mm-hmm. during the week because Bobby talks about it on the pro level. And of yes. course, he was on the college, but – what is it like for those quarterbacks in there, especially when you got a guy like Etling? And we talked about this. This is the first time in a while LSU had a kind of an incumbent quarterback that you knew was going to be the, the starter coming into a season. And he's a little bit older than, mm-hmm. than the guys that are that backing him up. What is that like? What is his role other than, you know, obviously being a starter and going out executing? It's almost like kind of uh, grooming those guys up, so to speak, in that meeting room because – He's an example to them. Well, a lot, a lot of times when you're in a meeting room, the coach leads the meeting room in, the, you know, when you're talking college football. Um, so so you as the older guy or the guy, you have to be able to allow yourself to teach the younger guys or trickle it down, not only in the classroom or the meeting room, but also in practice. So when you, you have to understand what's going on and being portrayed to you in the meeting room, once you understand and get a grasp of it, then you have to say, hey, look, second team, third team guy, whoever it may be, this is what you have to do in this situation. Because there's a lot of times where they go to practice and, you know, because you, you learn something, let's call it a Tuesday, right, a Tuesday practice. You go into the film room, uh, I don't know, an hour and a half before you actually go to practice. You learn something for 30 minutes and an individual, and then you go to a team, and then you go to an offensive meeting, and then you go out to the practice field where you are expected to execute that, what you learn in that 30 minutes right then that day. You don't get two weeks to prepare for it and all of that other stuff. You have literally an hour and a half to, to digest it, to regurgitate it, and to make it or execute everything that you've learned actually on the field at practice. So that's the most difficult part about it. Once you've learned what you, what you, what you need to execute and, and put down uh, on the field, um, once you learn that and then you have an understanding of where the defense is leaning to or how, how many guys are in a box or if you need to make an audible or things of that nature, you have to be able to trickle that down to the second and third team guys. Now, it's difficult if they're not paying attention or if they don't want to learn that. But, you know, sometimes you just got to force it on people. But at the same time, you just play by example. You be who you are. You be a leader, and everybody will follow you. That's Herb Tyler, 26-5 as a starter for the LSU Tigers. These are LSU analysts here on Tiger Radio WWL. We'll come back, and we'll take a look at today's opponent. We'll go behind enemy lines and find out exactly who are the 0-1 UT Chattanooga Mocs. But first up, a CBS update. And welcome back. Along with Herb Tyler, I'm Deke Bellavia, counting you down to LSU and the University of Tennessee Chattanooga Mocs. 504-260-1870 is the number to get involved. You can text us at 870-870. Well, the University of Tennessee Chattanooga mocks come to town at 0-1. Gene Henley, UTC beat writer for the Times Free Press, is our special guest. Gene, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. And uh, the mocks coming to town tonight, you give us a little feel. As, when is one of the last times or which, what's the one of the biggest stadiums this program has been in as of late? Uh, comparable, like an SEC school or so forth. What is one of the, the big matchups they've had on the road as of late? Well, uh, again, thanks for having me. First off, and um, well, last year they were at last year they went to Alabama. Um, that was obviously a pretty good sized place. Sure. The year before that, they were in Florida State, and before that was Tennessee. So they, they typically like to get one of these environments in every year. So, I mean, obviously it's a special time for for them. Some in most cases, some of these kids grew up in these states. And so it's a really good opportunity for them to kind of get into these stadiums and the you know drink in the atmosphere and 
get an opportunity to play in front of 100,000 people. Gene, now, what was interesting is that uh, Chattanooga uh, has a couple of open dates this year. Between week one, they played in week one, which was August 26th, against Jacksonville State, fellow FCS team, uh, playing pretty tough there, falling 27-13. to Then the open week. Uh, We talked earlier, a lot of transfers on this ball club uh, and a lot of guys that were at prominent schools, uh, Mississippi State, Texas Tech, other schools. Uh, Take us through what Coach Alt is doing as far as these transfers and how long does it take them to kind of get adapted to what he wants them to do, coming from bigger schools, learning those things. And have they had success with transfers coming there and having success at at the program? Yeah, well, I mean, and they've had, I mean, they had a fair share um, this off season, but I mean, they, there were a number of kids that they had that were transfers that were already on campus, and um, you know, one of them is our starting center, Josh Cardiello, who was at, uh, I think he was the number five center in the country. Uh, he went to Georgia, he was there for I think two years, and uh, he's in his third year here at UTC. Um, you know, they've got a defensive back, Kareem Moore, who transferred in this year. Uh, he was a freshman All-American at um, Arizona State. And, um, you know, they've got another talent, a kid named Mark Hill Boston, who played at Auburn. Uh, he just transferred in. He's still trying to kind of figure things out. But I think he's, he's going to – I'm guessing he'll play some. He's been kind of banged up a little bit. So uh, it's, been, it's been a process for some of them. For some of them, they've been able to kind of get on the field quickly, like in Kareem's case. In other cases, there's a lot of kids who are still trying to figure some stuff out because I think the perception is – if you go from, uh, you know, you go from like an FCC school to an F, you know, an FCS, then you should just easily, you know, hop into the rotation. And the reality is, some of the kids who make it to, you know, the bigger schools, or kind of weren't necessarily high priority players for that program in the first place. And so they figured it out, and that's why they transferred. And life isn't always as easy whenever you, you know, whenever you're at a program like UTC that actually recruits pretty well at its own level. So, uh, I mean, in some cases they figured it out. In other cases, they still got a ways to go. But uh, I think it's kind of this team pretty much. Uh, that's some of this team pretty much um, as it is. Hey, Gene, Herb Tyler here. Um, playing a school like LSU and, and, and like Alabama, you know, the likes of those types of schools for Chattanooga, how does that correlate to the remaining of their season um, in their conference? And, you know, and do, and, and do you see a lot of injuries coming out of a game like this? Um, I don't because I mean, yeah, I, like I get it. Like you almost, I mean, you you assume that bigger, stronger, faster kids, um, you know, you're gonna have like you know better likelihood of injury. But the reality of that, I mean, if that's the case, then they shouldn't even play the game because LSU right. would assume the same sort of risk um, mm-hmm. because I mean because you know they've got kids who may not be as fast and you know maybe try to you know make up for that lack of you know speed with effort and that's how kids get hurt in some cases. Um, so no, I, I don't think um, I don't think it necessarily you, you worry too much about the injury aspect. And as far as like the competition, I mean, uh, there's obviously not going to be a team on LSU's level that they play the rest of the season. Now, uh, I mean, they played Jacksonville State last week or two weeks ago, and I mean LSU. I mean LSU or Jacksonville State actually played LSU relatively tough last year, and that was a really good team. And obviously, UTC got beat by two touchdowns last week. Um, you know, they're not, I mean, they're not, there's not another team like on the schedule that's going to push them like this, obviously. But, um, you know, there's some, there's obviously some real quality competition if you look back. I mean, Citadel beat South Carolina a couple years ago. Uh, there, there have been cases of teams playing other teams close 
um, you know, in this league. I mean, it's a pretty competitive league. Um, you know, I would say, I mean, some people call it like the the SEC of, um, you know, of the FCS. And that's saying a lot because of the obvious uh, success of the SEC in recent years. Gene, how do you see Chattanooga's defense playing LSU's offense? Do you think that they'll go ahead and try to stack the box and make LSU throw the ball to beat them? Or do you think they're going to try to contend with the run game of LSU? Uh, well, um, if it was me, <laughs> I mean, I'm not much of a – I'm a basketball guy who you know who covers football, but if it was me, I would put nine people in the box to make that quarterback beat him because I personally don't think he's all that good. But I know how great all these running backs are. And, um, you know, and that's what you have to worry about. I mean, you've got quite possibly the best running back in the country, and he's just one of many, <laughs> one of many guys in that LSU backfield. So, you know, if it was me, I would – I would put yeah I would put as many people up in the box as possible. You've got a pretty good secondary, uh, a couple kids who will potentially get drafted. So I would take my chances with that. And I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure if that's what they're going to do, but if, uh, but just from what I've seen and just kind of knowing how maybe they feel about this team, that may be your best play. Gotcha, Gene. Now uh, moving forward tonight. We talked earlier this week about the quarterback, a transfer from Mississippi State. But I also understand that the starting quarterback is one of the best players uh, at that level and was serving a full-game suspension, if I'm correct. Uh, talk a little bit about that and uh, the full-game suspension. And when he gets back, uh, I'm assuming that that uh, figures largely into why this team was preseason ranked in the top 15. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was, he was an all-league quarterback last year, and, I don't think he always played great. I think he started off strong. I think he had a he had a, a rough patch in the middle of the season, and in, the, in their last game of the season, he played his best game of the year. I think he accounted for about 400 yards total offense. And he, and he was, he's a drawback passer, but he loved, but he can run. And so, you know, the the kid they've got now, the Mississippi State transfer, he's a good player. I think he's still trying to figure some things out as far as this whole, you know, as far as this this whole playing college football thing is concerned because he hadn't played mm-hmm. it. I mean, he's pretty much a freshman, you know, if you kind of look at just his experience at the college level. And, I mean, people are going to be able to throw a lot of different things at him, and I think he can ultimately be good. He still has a ways to go, but, I mean, that's just more because of experience. But, you know, if you just look around, like especially just those two guys, like they've got a couple guys. They've got a, they've got a freshman that, they're, you know, they feel pretty confident about as well, that they're trying to redshirt, but right now he's their backup. And, you know, you know they, they've got some talent at that position. Uh, the Benefield kid, the one who's been in four games, he's, he's obviously the starter. But it's really good, I guess, in this case that you have a kid who, you know, at least has, you know, college experience um, at a higher level like the Seattle kid who is uh, currently the starting quarterback. Gene Henley here helping us get familiar with tonight's opponent, LSU's opponent, the UT Chattanooga Mox. And, Gene, uh, how do you see this from tonight? LSU, of course, uh, teams from two different levels. But uh, if Chattanooga is to hang around for a while, what, how do you see this game unfolding between these two schools tonight in Baton Rouge? Huh. Well, I, I've talked to a lot of my friends. I've, I've got some family that lives down here in Baton Rouge, and I was joking around with them. As long as, as, long as LSU doesn't get cute, they can pretty much just kind of have a methodical maybe 31, maybe like a 30-point you know, 30 victory. Now, yeah. if they try to get cute, uh, UTC has some defensive backs that can intercept the pass and take it, you know, take it for a touchdown. Uh, so, I mean, and my presumption is that they are trying to uh, – my presumption is they're going to probably try to make a – you know, probably make a make it things look good because I know they've got a couple of 
high-profile recruits on campus this weekend. I think they've got a quarterback from Atlanta uh, that I've heard about that they really, really want. So if they could blow them out, they could. I'm just not sure that a team like LSU has an offense that can blow a team out. I, I'm not. I don't. I don't know that. I'm not. And I'm. I know it sounds stupid with me saying that, but right. Um, they, they've got a. I mean. I don't. I don't. I know they've got great receivers. Uh, I know they've got unbelievable running backs. But you know, and, and maybe they do. Maybe they blow them out tonight. I, I don't know. I just. I see more of a thirty to three, thirty-one to nothing. One of those. One of those sorts of victories where the game is never really in doubt. But there's maybe a player through here or there that kind of you know gets you know get some of the LSU fans riled up in a negative way. I got you. Gene Henry, UTCB writer for the Times Free Press, giving us the latest behind enemy lines today's LSU opponent, the Chattanooga Mox. Gene, how can people keep up with you on social media? Oh, well, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Gene Henley TFP. Uh, that's G-E-N-E-H-E-N-L-E-Y-T-F-P for Times Free Press. Gene Henley. Gene, thank you so much for helping our listeners get uh, familiar with today's opponent, the Chattanooga Mox. Hey, thanks, thanks again for having me. Y'all have a great week. All right, you too, Gene. Right, we Gene. appreciate it. Two six zero one eight seventy. You can text us at eight seventy eight seventy. And uh, when you think about it, uh, this is uh, the first non-conference game, the first game in Death Valley. Then LSU goes on the road next week. Then they'll come back and play in uh, an ACC mm-hmm. team, and that being Syracuse. And boy, you know it's hard to keep up with all that, Herb. Even this course in time, because I think of some of those schools are being basketball schools. And I go back to when they you know they were all in the Big East, mm-hmm. and that you know yep. defunct, so to speak. And then you know you see Maryland. Well, Maryland, that's always an ACC team, but now they're in the Big Ten, and right. Nebraska was always old Big Eight and Big Twelve, and now they Big Ten. So it takes takes a while to be familiar. But the next time they're home, it will be against an ACC foe and that being Syracuse, and that's, you know, a Division One level and so forth. But you teach at a new night, Herb, just want to go out there and look sharp and don't get anybody hurt. You, you know, you want to clean up all the penalties. You want to play your game. You want to make sure that you're nice and efficient in the run game and the passing game. You want to do everything possible to make sure that you can show everyone that you're a superior team. Um, you don't want to have any questions. You don't want to go leave the field, you know, thinking, man, what if I would have done this or I should have done that or I should have played harder or – I should have made a better decision or whatever. You don't want any of that. You just want to go out, play the game nice, clean, and efficiently. Um, and it doesn't matter who who's on the other side of that ball. Yep. You know, you just want to do that every game in, in, in and out. That's Herb Tyler. I'm Dick Bellavia. Later in the program, Herb gives us his key to the night and a recruiting update from Mike Scarborough of TigerBait.com. Count you down to LSU and Tennessee Chattanooga tonight. 639 kickoff right here on Tiger Radio, WWL. And welcome back. The Brute Report, taking a look at state college football in action right now in the American Athletic Conference, the opener, conference opener for both ball clubs. It is Navy 14, Tulane 13. That's a nice game right there. Late in the half. And also uh, getting a big scare from Southeastern last week, uh, beating the Lions, what was it, 50 to 51 to 48 in mm-hmm. Southeastern with a great chance to win that one. It's uh, the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana Lafayette in a tight one. Uh, that was a 2 o'clock kickoff, and they are a 3 o'clock kickoff in the second. It's 10 to 10, Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns at Tulsa. So uh, that's an interesting one. Tulsa was a 10-win ball game, a uh, 10-win ball team a year ago. Other games coming up, a good one, boy. Talking about a good rivalry in North Louisiana. This will be the fourth meeting between the uh, schools. It is Northwestern State at Grambling State. Mm-hmm. Both are coming off of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, losses Tough last luck. week in state. Northwestern State lost at Louisiana Tech. 
Grandma lost down in, uh, at uh, at say Churchin, but it's the Yulman mm-hmm. Churchin's the baseball field at Tulane. Also tonight, State College football. Herb, it has Florida Tech at McNeese State. McNeese looking to bounce back after falling to uh, Nickel State last week. And the Bethune-Cookman College County Wildcats are in Strawberry Stadium taking on the Southeastern Lions. And Coach Ron Roberts mm-hmm. and uh, the Lions look to basically just clean up a little bit, Herb, because they had the offensive production that they wanted last week. I mean, they got uh, the quarterback in there, Nunez, that had a tremendous game, 514 yards and 48 points. They just uh, get a little bit on the turnovers and clean up the penalties. Coach Ron Roberts has got to like where his lines were putting up those type of numbers. Southeast is always going to have one of the best offenses they in the sure state. Are. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's amazing yeah. how every year they come back with a really great quarterback, really great wide receivers, and, you know, the really good offensive linemen and running backs that can actually make things pick happen. Pick up some good transfers. A too. lot of things they do, and not only that, they pick up a lot of really good kids like that second-tier kid from the state. I agree. That go out there, and, and they wanted to go to LSU or a bigger school somewhere out of state, but they just didn't get that opportunity. So they want to come in in Southeastern and play exceptionally well. Now, I'm going to say this too, D. I'm a silent Tulane fan. Just I got so you. you know, all I right? got you. Buddy Tevis was the head coach when I was coming out of high school, and uh-huh. uh, I was really, really close to committing to Tulane. I got you. Until my daddy said, son, you're getting out of the, <laughs> the city of New Orleans. Yeah. You want somewhere else to go. Just want you to get away from the city. He huh? just wanted me to get away from the city. So, I, you know, one of them. The reasons why I chose LSU was because of the tradition of, of the school itself, That's the right. football tradition as well, and then all of the guys that were, were already committed to, to, to come to LSU and play. I wanted to play with those guys. But I was, I'll was i never forget, I mean, I was extremely close to committing to Coach Buddy Tevens yeah. and the Tulane Green Wave. Yeah, I'll let y'all know a little, on, on a little quiet secret, too. I used to I used to make sure Herb's shoes, and he had water out there, too, because I used to work some for Coach Jeff Boss. God rest his soul, JB, oh, Coach Boss. And now, who is uh, in charge of LSU equipment? G String. Oh, Jeff. Mr. Greg String. String fella out there. Those are tales, Tiger Tales from back in the day. Oh, well. All right, we'll come back, wrap this hour up, and get you a recruiting update and Herb's keys to tonight's game. His top three with LSU and Chattanooga. Yep. This is Tiger Radio, WWL. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.